Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Those really are, I think, important words that we often need to hear, that perhaps we don't hear enough that God is calling to us, encouraging us, and loves us very, very much. We're glad you're here this morning. I do want to just kind of remind us again, we, we talked about the journey groups and, and uh, you know, a couple of things I, I think are really important. Sometimes folks come into our midst and, and there are a lot of people around and you wonder how to get connected. This is a great way to get connected, to meet some other people, to spend time looking, learning, doing some life together. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, and it's also a great opportunity to invite some folks who, who don't have a church home. Uh, it's, a, it's a non-threatening way, perhaps, to come and do something. Uh, and there's lots of different activities and choices in there. And maybe something that, that is just right for that. Uh, it's one of the reasons, too, that, that I always make sure we're offering the Alpha course, the Exploring Christianity. Because we know that on any given Sunday, there, there are some of you in here who you haven't made up your mind yet about who Jesus is and, and this God stuff in Christianity. And, and first, I want you to hear we're glad you're here um, because how would you find out if you don't investigate? But second, that's the reason we do something like that is because you probably have questions, as all of us do, and it's a great opportunity to explore. And uh, we love it when folks who are exploring Christianity come to that. So just know that that's there. That's there in part for you as an opportunity for you to, to dig in and ask questions. I'm not saying we have all the answers. Honestly, we don't. But uh, there is a lot we can talk about, and, um, and uh, we, we see people finding, finding some answers that, that surprise them. So just be aware of those. And, and again, that, and we've got Ladies' Night out coming up this Thursday night, and those are incredible opportunities, journey groups, Ladies' Night out, to invite folks that you know who don't have a church home. Who, who don't attend someplace regularly, to, to invite them to something that is low, low threshold, easy to come to. And I guarantee you, Thursday night, going to have a great time. There are going to be lots of ladies here, probably a few guys sneak in on the edges to watch because she is really funny. And, um, and there'll, be, there'll be a message in there too, I guarantee you. It's not going to just, just be laughing for the sake of laughing. So keep those in mind. I hope that you'll um, uh, use those opportunities to reach some of the people around you. God has called us to lead everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's not simply the mission of the church. It's the mission of the church. And the church is you and me. And we are the church out in the world, out in the community. And as the church today, we want to look at the, some of these myths. We're at the midpoint of this series looking at statements and beliefs in the Christian world that, that often are readily accepted and, and even spoken, and yet sometimes we need to think about that. As we've seen over the last couple of weeks, many of these statements are either corruptions of what's actually in the Bible or, in fact, like last week, what Tom shared with us, isn't in the Bible at all. And, and that might not seem like a big deal if the consequences of the statements were pretty trivial or uh, all that, but, but too often, too often, individuals have been hurt or have had unrealistic expectations burst 
And it leaves them feeling cynical about Christianity, about Jesus Christ, about who God is. I mean, I'm, I know there are people here in the Bay Area around us whose faith has been affected because they've heard one of these myths or something like that. And when that myth failed them, as myths do, they left the church. Maybe even they left God behind. And we don't, we want to battle that. But we don't want the enemy to have the last word in that. We don't want them to carry around guilt because somehow they heard a, a trite phrase thrown out there and thought that they had to live up to that or that they were perfect or that somehow, look, we're, we're far from perfect and all of us are still in this journey together. And, and it bothers me when we put someone through something like that. So this week, we're, we're continuing and we're looking at a statement that I hear a fair amount. Everything happens for a reason. Maybe you've said it, maybe you've said it without thinking about it. Maybe you have thought about it. Uh, it sometimes also gets said it's all in God's plan, it's the Lord's will. And on the surface, they, these things sound wonderful. And I know even as I say it, some of you are kind of looking at me like, what are you talking about? Of course, it's a great statement. And many times, there is truth here. That's the thing. It's not that it's a completely false statement. Often, we can't see that reason even immediately until we get far enough away from the event or the experience to look back and we can see God's hand at work and we, we see what's happened. But like those, you know, those trick questions we get in school sometimes where it says always or every time or in this case, everything that qualifier, everything, means that every event that happens, every experience we have, every good thing, every bad thing is due to God. That's the way the phrase gets used. And it's great when good things happen to us. We all love that. We celebrate that. And we can even see the value when something challenging comes our way that helps us grow and, and make us better. But can we honestly believe that a child who is abused by a family member, that God was behind that and had a reason and a purpose for that to happen? Or can we say that, that God had a reason to, to cause these huge natural tragedies, such as the 2004 Indonesian tsunami that killed over 200,000 people. And what about a monster like Hitler who put millions of Jews to death, who inflicted destruction across Europe, Africa, and Asia, who was responsible for the deaths of 50 plus million people in our world today, including nearly 200,000 American battle deaths. Did God have a reason for him to do that? Was he acting at the behest of God? Now, I know these are extremes, and that's, that's kind of the point, because we got to look at the whole picture, and, and, and was God behind all those events? Because if everything happens for a reason, then we're saying they did. 
when we make statements like that, we need to take them out and see what they really mean is to their logical extreme, to see if it still holds up, if it's really true, or is it only sometimes true? When we, we do that, we, we discover that it, it, it's not just even in the big things. It's also sometimes in our daily experiences, like I'm driving and I hit every dab gum traffic light. You know, is God punishing me for something I did wrong? But everything happens for a reason, right? If I lose the card game because I keep getting bad cards, does that mean God wanted me to lose? Or here this afternoon in just 30 minutes or so, has the script of the Texans game against Washington already been written? And, and, and it doesn't matter how well they play and how much we cheer, but the story has already been set, determined by God. It became very personal to me several years ago. I've, I've told about some of this at times. Back in 2001, I got bacterial meningitis. I, I was in critical condition for a while, and, and in fact, they were preparing my, my wife, Susan, in, in case I didn't survive. And, and I, I, I found out afterwards that there were many, many people praying for me. Uh, it was so cool, in the first service, a, a dear friend of mine came up, and she remembered it. She was in that church, and she was one of the ones praying for me. And thank the Lord, I did turn a corner. Uh, I had some complications for another week or so, and he gave me some very scary hallucinations. But ultimately, I recovered. And my infectious disease doctor, who, who um, was a Christian, said he had never seen anyone so sick recover so completely, so quickly. And, and I, I truly believe that God was at work in that experience of me being healed. And it has left me with a profound sense of purpose and that, that I, I am here, and, and it's not by accident, and there's, there are still things that God wants me to do as long as my heart keeps ticking. But about four months later, after that happened, I got a call on a Friday evening. Uh, a member of that church called me to tell me, asked me to meet them at, at another member's house because a young man, college-age student, had just been killed in a car wreck. Now, he was attending Texas Tech. He had um, been refereeing that night. He, he was out in, near Lubbock. He'd been refereeing that night out at a baseball game. He was driving home, and he, he never made it. And in the prime of his life, this young man, who was a wonderful young man, a fine young man, was gone. met with the family and service. A few nights later, I think it was Thursday night, I get a phone call at home, and I, I still remember where I was in my house when that call came in. It was from the mother, and she was clearly sad. She was clearly mourning, crying, and she asked me a question 
that has stuck with me ever since. She said, why did God let you live and not let my son live? I want to tell you that I felt like I had the, the, the wind knocked out of my sails, like somebody had hit me in the gut, and I didn't have an answer for her. It gnawed at me. I, I could not tell her then. I can't, I could not tell her today. And while I'm certainly not saying that I have the perfect perspective on every situation, honestly, I still, I can still tell you that I don't see a reason why it happened. We struggle with that age-old question, you know, why do bad things happen? to good people. And all of us can look around and we've, we've seen ex circumstances like that. Maybe we've been the recipient of some of that. And if, we're, if we, we see it and we feel so much for someone when something like that happens and we want to say something, we want to do something, we want to help, and sometimes we throw out these quick rote answers like everything happens for a reason, that, that God has a purpose in this and God can make it all work out. I remember early in my Christian journey, I don't think I had even really fully committed my life to Christ yet. I was in my early 20s. And I heard of a, of a very young child who had gotten behind his dad's car, and his dad had backed the car out and crushed his son. And I still remember someone telling me that that happened because God needed that child in heaven. I want to tell you, I've heard people say that since. And that explanation, I mean, that, that, sh that shakes me to my core. Because I, I, I don't see a reason why God needs a little child in heaven. God is full and complete and perfect in and of himself. He is, by nature of who he is, he needs nothing. We don't add anything. It is by his grace and his love that he has created and given us this place and, and, and shared with us. And, and we would be sadly mistaken, I think, if we believe that somehow he needs me or he needed that child. And, if, and, and, and I reflected on that and I thought, if God is behind that tragedy, I mean, it calls my whole understanding of a God of, a, of abundant life, of a God of love, into question. As I've dug more, I've discovered that the Bible affirms that there are things in this life that aren't right, that aren't fair. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, it says, In this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. We jump to Luke 13, and in it, Jesus was informed, it says, that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. And he asked, do you think, he asked his followers, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Is that why they suffered? Not at all, he said. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, he said. 
Because in that day and time, there was this belief that then when something bad happened to you, you must have done something wrong. It was, it was punishment for your sin by God. And Jesus here is directly refuting that. Bad things do happen, even to good people, even to people who don't deserve it. As Jesus pointed out, sometimes we suffer for just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. The result of chance or things that are beyond our control. Ecclesiastes in chapter 9 says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. I mean, who living a thousand miles away from Indonesia along some quiet coastline could foresee the the widespread devastating results of that earthquake that would wipe out that village a thousand miles away. At other times, Jesus says, we suffer the consequences of the sins of others, such as Pilate murdering the Galileans. He he was not saying they'd done anything wrong. It It was... The blame was laid at Pilate. How often do we, in our families, our friends we know, we see people struggling with addictions or an affair that affects us or affects those we care about or those around us. And the reality is God has given us free will, that that we have choices to make. Otherwise, we're nothing more than puppets on a string, and we simply do and move at God's bidding and If I am a puppet, if I am on strings, then what do any of my actions mean? Does my love for anyone matter if I have no choice in giving it? So God has given us free will, and the result of that is we suffer sometimes for the consequences of our very own sins. We do it to ourselves sometimes. Galatians chapter 6 Paul writes, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And then we have to remember that there is an adversary. We have the adversary in the devil who is out to bring harm to God's creations. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. So if if bad things happen, to us for all these reasons. Can can we honestly say that somehow God is behind them all, that everything happens for a reason? If, If it did, then why would Jesus, in fact, himself invite us to pray that God's will be done? In what we call the Lord's Prayer, found in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, pray like this, to God, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would we pray that if God's will was always done on earth? If everything happened for a reason. In fact, Jesus warns us that life here on earth is not going to be easy. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will. Now, I'm not saying that to you to depress you. Oh, great. Come to church and find out I'm going to have trouble. That's what I want to hear. That's going to cheer me up, make me feel great, walk out of here with a little extra spring in my step. 
But here's the thing. How often do we get unreal expectations that when something hits us from the blind side, blows us out of the water? It is better to know the truth, to be realistic about this world we live in. And, and, and I, in doing that, I don't want us to inadvertently lay the blame at God's feet for things that he didn't do, to blame him for something that he was not behind simply because it's easy for me to say or because I feel the need to say to someone, everything happens for a reason. Everything. Now, sure, God does work. Nothing in what I'm saying here is denying that. Often in ways we cannot see that we may never even realize. I mean, you know, that's the old question. How many times have, have we missed out on a car wreck because of God's work in our lives or the lives of someone else? We don't know. There's no way to know. How often, though, can we look back at our lives and see God's hand clearly at work? For many of us, it's obvious. The, 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 the signs, the marks the, of his hand are so clear. But just because we can see God's hand at work does not mean that he has caused everything to happen as it did. I mean, honestly, there are just some things for which in this life we're not going to have answers, that we're not going to understand, that we're not going to be able to say this is why it happened. And if we get stuck asking the why question, if we get stuck wondering and, and we start focusing on that, we're going to live with a lot of disappointment. We think that somehow those answers are going to come. Job, through the book of Job, he asks God, why did this happen to me? And God never answered Job the why question. Never. Listen, guys, there is a God, and none of us are he. You're not God. I'm not God. And yet we risk committing the same sin of Adam and Eve when they ate the fruit offered to them by the serpent in the garden who, who tempted them. He said that in eating this fruit, you would be like God, knowing all things. And how often today do we want to know all things? Do we want to figure it out? Do we want to understand it? Do we want to think that there are answers in everything that happens? We are the creatures, not the creator. And when the creature aspires to be the creator, to know all things, then we have given in to the very temptation that the serpent laid before Adam and Eve. But just because we won't understand everything, just because we we can or we won't find a reason everything happens to us doesn't mean that there is no hope. Doesn't mean that that's the end of the story. Jesus, as I quoted before from John 16, said, here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He says, listen, whether you figure it out or not, I have, and I am here for you. So how do we take heart? How do we live that out? First, we've got to remember that we're not alone. God is always with us. 
No matter what is happening to us, no matter whether it makes sense or not, you and I are not going through it alone. Now, that doesn't mean we don't feel alone. That doesn't mean the devil doesn't raise up thoughts and feelings in our mind that God doesn't care, or God is doing this to you, or nobody cares, or you're all by yourself. I've played that game. I bet a lot of you have too. Those thoughts run through our minds in difficult, challenging situations where we feel like no one knows what's going on, no one cares, no one can do anything about it, and I'm all alone. And that is a bald-faced lie. God is with you. Isaiah 43 says from the message, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you won't go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the, the holy God of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you, so don't be afraid. I'm with you. But not only is he with us, not only do we have to remember that, we have to bring it to mind, we have to consciously do that, but we also need to know that he knows what we're feeling, what we're going through, the pain we're experiencing, the suffering that is going our way. The Bible tells us that the Son of God became flesh and blood by choice for our sakes to walk with us, to live with us, to understand what life is like for us. Not just for God to look down upon us, but for God in Jesus to walk with us, to be tempted, to struggle, to suffer, to be crucified, to be killed even though we never sinned. Philippians 2 says, though Christ Jesus was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In fact, Jesus gives us this incredible insight into just how much God experiences. In, in, in John chapter 11, we read about such a very sad moment when the brother of Mary and Martha, Lazarus, dies. And, and Mary and Martha are so broken up by it. And, and in the midst of that, Jesus arrives. And the Bible tells us something that to me is so profound. We love to talk, talk about it as being the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, 35. But it's not the least important because it simply says, Jesus wept. Now, let me tell you, Jesus already knew that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. So he, his crying, his weeping was not of some terrible wrong that would never be rectified. I believe he was so moved by the loss and the hurt of Mary and Martha, dear friends of his, that he joined in grieving with them. And in joining, he cried too. And that gives us this incredible insight to, to God himself because Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, the way Jesus lived is the, the exact representation of the, the way the Father would live and what he would do. So when, he tell, when we see Jesus crying, you know what? We see God crying. Now maybe that thought hasn't entered your mind before that when you're going through a struggle, when, when something's hurting, when something's not going right, that maybe God not only is with you, not only feels for you, 
But as tears stream down maybe your face, they're streaming down his. So when we're struggling with a loss, when we're suffering, that God is not only with us, but he understands and even cries with us. But there's still another promise God gives us, even as we struggle or we ask why, if we, if we choose to trust him, he promises that he can and will bring some good out of any situation. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now some folks will mistakenly quote that scripture to claim God then causes everything that happens. But that's not what it says. It says that God can bring some good out of anything that does happen. And, and listen, the Bible isn't saying here that the result will necessarily be better than what it might have been. Though sometimes it is. And this promise is only given to those, it says, who love God, who are seeking Him, who are trusting Him in the midst of whatever's going on. So we need to realize that this promise is not offered to those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to hear that. That what I'm saying to you, while God will still be with you and God still hurts with you, there isn't the promise for those who have not put their faith and trust in him that he will bring some good from it. But he is saying for those of us who do, who love and trust God and, and continue working for his purposes in life, God can bring some good out of any difficult or trying or, or, or frustrating or disappointing circumstance. In fact, sometimes tragic circumstances have the potential to deepen our faith because when we're really struggling and trying to make sense out of it, sometimes we turn to God after we because we've tried everything else. Nothing else seems to be fitting. Nothing else seems to work. Christian singer Stephen Curtis Chapman said, I've learned that we can control where we allow things that we can't understand to fall. They either fall between us and God, we become angry, or we allow these things to fall outside of us and press us closer in to God. See, I don't believe God was responsible for me contracting bacterial meningitis. And yet in the midst of that, I discovered a God who could get me through far more than I ever imagined. And, and it wasn't easy. And I mean, there were some times where I, 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 was, I was at the end of my rope and even, and even worse. And yet looking back, I can see how God was at work in the midst of that to bring some good out of that experience. Because up to that point in my life, quite honestly, I hadn't experienced all that much. I, I, I have to say that in, in a lot of ways, I saw my life pretty simplistically, and I thought things were pretty, pretty good. Afterwards, I took life, and I've, I've looked at suffering and pain and joy in a whole different light. I've taken them a lot more seriously. And it's helped me to personally live and to experience Romans 8.28 in ways I, I couldn't before. I, I, I look at this and I look at this, this idea of when we talk about everything happens for a reason. And we really have to approach a statement like that, I believe, with a lot of humility. 
Because I, I really think we can't always say in the moment that we know whether God is behind what is happening to us or not. I do believe God allows some things to happen to us. And I believe he has a purpose and a reason in much that happens to us and around us. And furthermore, I believe that, that nothing ultimately can block God's eternal purposes in this world for his creation. But honestly, as I reflect on this, I don't want to say that everything happens for a reason. Because that says some pretty radical things about God about God that if I thought them through in certain circumstances or if I said that to someone who was going through a really hard time might dramatically affect their faith, their opinion of God, that it would be easy for them to draw the conclusion that God doesn't care or God is spiteful or vengeful or in fact he is looking for a way to zap us when we do wrong. And there are a lot of people in this world who live their days believing God is out to get them. Let me tell you, what the Bible tells me is that nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing. And so I stand on the Word of God that tells us that God can transform any experience, anything, in ways that advance His kingdom in ways that can bless others and even bless ourselves. Does it mean things will be better than they might have been? I don't know. Does it mean we, we have an answer for everything that happens? I doubt it. Does it mean I can explain it all away? No. But it means that I'm not alone. It means God really does Care. Much more, God really can bring some good out of whatever happens for those of us who love Him and trust Him. And if you're battling some of that right now, you need to know our prayer team in just a moment is going to be up here. I'd love for you to come and talk with them, pray with them. If, if you haven't welcomed Jesus into your life, Let me just say, I believe you need that promise that is found in Romans 8, 28, that God can work some good. And I would ask you, I would plead with you to make that decision today. If you need to talk again with our prayer people, they'd love to talk with you about that. We have coming up Sign ups for journey groups. Hope you'll do that. Ladies night out. It's a great opportunity. Chandra Pierce lost her husband just recently. And I guarantee you, she's going to have some significant things to say. And there may be some people you know that you need to bring to hear that. And of course, in just a moment, communion is going to be offered down in the Life Center. And it is a powerful way to experience fact that God loves us no matter what, no matter what comes our way, that his grace can see us through any circumstance. And his suffering is evidence of 
how much he loves you. So don't walk away. Don't dismiss. Put your hand out to God. He, he wants to take you. He wants to walk with you and you know it. He wants to see you through because he loves you. And nothing and no one can take that from you. Heavenly Father, it's hard sometimes to hear that maybe sometimes things happen that you weren't behind, that there, there's chance or there is, in fact, even maybe, maybe evil at work and what's going on in the world around us. And maybe for some of us, Father, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of rocked our world a little bit this morning. And, and maybe we have some questions or maybe we're still not sure. And I know you're okay with the questions. I pray that you would help all of us think on this, pray on this, talk with you about it, talk with others. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see your hand at work, no matter the source of what's happening in our lives, that you can still bring good, that you still have purpose, and that your ultimate purposes will never be compromised. And I pray, Father, that you would, you would help some of us who have encountered folks who've maybe been burned by a church, been hurt, by something someone said, let us tell a different story. Help us to bring grace and, 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 and God's love into their lives. Help us to help them find you again. Because we know you, you never stop seeking them. Use us for your glory, Father. Use us that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that, we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.